Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boozdar, and this week we head to Boston, Massachusetts, and speak with Ryan Flaherty, the founder of TV Wasteland, a multimedia company that has gained a lot of traction in the past year. We discuss what it takes to follow your dreams, and ultimately, how you inspire the youth of tomorrow. Enjoy. I started TV Wasteland about a year ago and, you know, give or take a few months. Um, But it started off because, you know, I really wanted an internship in Hollywood and entertainment. And, you know, as a junior in high school, there are no opportunities for for that kind of thing. But I was just so passionate about TV. I really wanted to be working. So I started a blog and I just sort of figured it would be by myself. I could just write about TV, get all my frustrations out, talk about streaming and all these things that I was hearing about. And then pretty soon, you know, I was at an art school. So other people were like, hey, that sounds really cool. I would, I would love to be part of that. So, you know, I got three team members. And now a year later, it's 40 people. And we've interviewed celebrities. It's just sort of grown like crazy. Nice. That's pretty cool. Wow. Um, yeah. Geez. So one year. Yep. It's been around. Okay. What was the initial like push to start that? It was sort of like you wanted an not necessarily like an in, but you kind of wanted to create something for yourself because it was harder to find opportunities as just, you know, a younger person. Yeah. It was sort of a combo because I really wanted to work in entertainment. So I thought this was great. And also I was noticing that, you know, Cosmopolitan Teen Vogue, there's so many websites that cater to teenagers and not any of them are run by teenagers, which obviously it's a pretty large feat to run a whole company. This is much smaller than that, but you know, I, Teen Vogue, they're writing articles for teenagers and stuff like that, but it's not teenagers writing it. So I figured, you know, if, if we're writing about television, we could really write what we want to hear. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. What was the, uh, I guess, initial blog and everything? How did that look? And it was just you and you said a couple other people. And was it yeah. just talking about, you know, stuff that you liked and stuff that frustrated you and... Yeah. So it started out with me writing about the industry. I was really caught up in the streaming war at the time because Disney plus and Apple plus had just been announced. And then about a week later, Peacock, but from NBC. And I was like, this is going to be insane. This is going to be like 30 streaming services. So sort of trying to unpack that. Um, and I wrote this really long piece about it and I was like, this would be really cool to post. So, you know, I created a blog and everything. Um, and then my, my colleague, Matt, who is actually still with the company a year later, he started out writing reviews about TV shows, um, and sort of covering news and that sort of thing. And then another friend, Aliyah covered news. So it started out with really just writing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it was just writing about what we cared about, really opinion editorial, not anything super factual, but, um, yeah. And, you know, then a few days later, actually, I think three days after we started, I applied to Series Fest, which is an independent TV festival in Denver. Um, and, you know, I was like, there's no way I get in, but really I can just get my name out there. And then surprisingly enough, they, they liked the teenage concept and invited me out. And that's really the first time I started interviewing people as I worked the red carpet, you know, interviewed everybody who was there. And it was, it was really incredible. Wow. Uh, that's super yeah. cool. What was that initial, I guess, I mean... So interviewing people on the red carpet, how did that, was it nerve wracking and yeah, yeah, I no training. 
I didn't even really know what the festival was about. I just knew there was TV involved. Um, and so I thought it was all independent creators, but they invite everybody from the industry and they have some crazy connections. So I showed up on the red carpet. I was really, I was like looking up these people on Wikipedia, like three minutes before, just trying to get a sense of who they were. And then, you know, by the second night I was pretty, you know, I had learned how to sort of work my way into the red carpet, sort of get out there and everything. And Ted Sarandos from Netflix was there, who's now the co-CEO uh, of the company. Wow. And I was like, I just pushed to the front, <laughs> like shook his hand, introduced myself. And yeah, it was, it was great. But it's really, it was all just me tr- sort of figuring it out on the fly, trying to, you know, there were no rules. Nobody told me how to do it. And so uh, I was just sort of doing my best, <laughs> hoping that that was okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Was it... um. So with like no training, they're just kind of like, oh, go interview people and see how it goes sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I was watching other, the other people who were there, you know, Hollywood Reporter Variety and then a few other independent magazines. Um, but yeah, it was really just sort of like a, okay, I've read interviews online before. What questions do you ask? <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, really there was no training. The website had just been created. So I was still sort of trying to figure out how to, coordinate everything from out there with the two team members I had back home. And, you know, I, I was really just doing my best at 16 years old. (laughs) Yeah. What were the, uh, I guess, initial couple of interviews that you had that you remember being, you know, really impactful in the beginning? Um, I remember, well, my, my dad was there with me. Um, and we went out to lunch just to get some food. I was working crazy hours, uh, sleeping like three hours a night, trying to get everything translated and posted. Um, and I, once we were at lunch, I realized that there was uh, Jojo the Bachelorette was back at the festival. And I was like, oh my God, that could be amazing if I could interview her. And I was like, you know, trying to debate it. Like, should I go back? Should I just have this lunch with my dad? And you know, he's like, we got to go. So we raced back and I caught her just as she was leaving the building and she was doing some press with some other outlets. And, you know, the, the series fest employees are just like amazing. And so, you know, somebody just pushed me forward and was like, go do it. And so I just interviewed her on the fly, just sort of taking <laughs> what I could about her new show. Uh, and that was really, really impactful because I remember she said that she was really impressed with what we were doing with the site. And that was really the first time I heard that. So That's definitely stayed with me for a year. (laughs) Definitely. Was that, uh, I guess, I mean, initially going into it, has it ever been sort of an obstacle or struggle being a younger person, you know, approaching these people and different media outlets and stuff? Did that ever become a problem or was it something you kind of had to just power through and, you know? Yeah, it was definitely something I had to work towards. It wasn't anybody really treating me differently. I don't think that ever really happened. Everybody's been amazing that I've worked with. Um, But it was definitely like a mental thing of, you know, like I had no training. I've never really worked in journalism. I didn't expect to work in journalism. I just wanted to work in television. So, you know, when I started out and I was emailing agents of talent and talking to networks and stuff. I was like, I don't know how to do any of this. I couldn't even figure out how to get my email signature. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, there was no handbook. So I really had to figure things out for myself, but you know, it's been over a year and I'm still learning things every day. Um, but it's, you know, that's hands-on training. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what are like, I guess, you know, what were the first couple accomplishments that you guys had as a organization or a magazine? Um, 
that were like really stand out for you? What was the first like thing that happened that you're like, oh wow, this is taking off in such a really cool, positive way? Well, so, you know, I follow the trades and my colleague Matt did as well. Um, and once we started doing interviews or decided to do interviews, Matt and I teamed up and started emailing a lot of agents in Hollywood, just sort of explaining who we were and really targeted people that we wanted to interview. And we had heard a story about how this one girl, my tree was casted out of, you know, dozens of girls from across the country in an online, um, audition for a new Mindy Kaling show on Netflix. And we were like, we know she's going to be huge. Mindy is attached to the project. So we reached out to her agent on a limb and they got, actually got back to us and they said, you know, give us a few months. We have to figure out what's going on with the project. Have to talk to Netflix. I'll give you this contact and we'll you know, get back to you. So we waited and waited. And then I think about a month later, we actually heard from Netflix and they were like, Hey, we want to set this up. So I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening. Um, that was like the first person we'd ever talked to. Hmm. So, you know, Matt and I were obviously terrified, but we were like, this is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, so we set up the interview we interviewed her and then it turned out to be never have I ever. And it just blew up on Netflix. And, you know, we interviewed her like, I think six months before the show premiered. So we couldn't really talk about the show, but you know, being one of the first outlets that really got to get to know her was just amazing. I mean, yeah, Netflix has been an absolutely incredible company to work with. Definitely. Do you want to walk through, I'd love to know, like kind of, I don't know, the night before that interview, sort of what was the process and, you know, for you and your, partner, Matt, how you guys kind of thought about, you know, framing the questions and getting everything prepared for something that was, you know, pretty monumental and big for you guys. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of nerves. Um, you know, Matt and I are close friends and we call every time we get a big interview or something. And we have anytime we get really good news, I just sort of have to lay down on the floor and remember who I am. <laughs> um, everything has happened so quickly with this. I, I really, it's like, I have to stay grounded. Um, but yeah, I remember the night before I was feeling super, super sick. And I remember Matt was going to take the call by himself because I was going to be in school and I ended up, you know, I was just texting him and I was like, everything's going to be fine. He was going to go to his university, university library and everything. Um, and then I woke up the next day and I had slept through my alarm, had slept through school and through the interview Hmm. and like was reading, he had texted me like a billion times. It went great. It went great. She's amazing. Everything was perfect. I have it recorded. And so I was like, it's almost better because I know I would have been so, so stressed out. Um, So I've sort of kept that tradition when, whenever there's an interview that I'm not on or a project that's going on, I just sort of distract myself until I can not panic. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Was it, um, I guess, how do you guys record the interviews and how did that whole process start? And has it been sort of a trial and error situation where you kind of had a plan initially and that's kind of changed throughout the year that you've been doing this? Yeah, it, it's always freaked me out. And it's so funny because there's so many stressful parts of, you know, this industry, but for some reason, recording the interview is always so stressful. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always worried that like it won't catch or we'll lose it. And that's never happened. And it probably never will. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of trial and error. We started out by like trying to screen record and, you know, all this weird technical stuff, but it was definitely reading a lot of like tech blogs, um, other blogs who were interviewing similar stuff like that, but you know, we finally got it down. Um, so yeah, so Matt works in, in talent and handles most of the interviews and I'm, I try to be on all of them unless there's, you know, something else going on, but yeah. Mm. That's cool. Was it, um, you know, as, as you 
sort of got deeper into this, was it becoming something where you had to brush up on skills and stuff that you never really thought you would have to learn as far as interviewing and journalism and writing and recording and all these things? Was it, you know, a bit overwhelming at first or was it something as you, I guess, progressed in what you guys were doing, you just learned more stuff and it came sort of naturally with the process? I would say the communication was definitely the biggest barrier for me, which it seems so simple, but it's always the hardest part of the job. You know, Hmm. you want to come off sending professional um, when you're talking to adults and, you know, email etiquette was a huge thing that took me months, just, you know, how to really write a well-written email. Um, Scheduling has always been insane, but I would say the management part of it, definitely now having 40 team members, um, and that are all teenagers and all doing this for free, all volunteering who all love it. It's, you know, I love every, everybody on my staff. I mean, they're amazing, but I think definitely when you have that amount of people and now that we have the amount of daily things that we have to get done, that can be a little bit stressful. Um, so I think honestly, the biggest thing was just not worrying all the time. I remember the first few months when things were really picking up. We had just launched the interview with my tree. We we're reaching out to more people and they were answering. I couldn't sleep at night because mm. this work had just consumed me. Um, so I really, I had to set barriers, you know, like, okay, you work between 10 and five, you don't schedule calls at 9 PM or, you know, you don't work on weekends, spend time with your family. And it's, it's it sounds silly being a teenager and having to do all that, but it's really, I think I'm a workaholic and it can be easy to get lost in it. Yeah, for sure. What are, uh, you know, you said you spend time with your family. What do you do to just kind of, I don't know, get away from that whole mindset and be, because at the same time, it's something that you started and I'm sure you cherish wholeheartedly. So for you, it's something that, you know, in some way, shape or form is kind of always on your mind, I would imagine. And I guess, what are those things that you do to get away from that? Do you sit down and watch movies or, you know, hang out with your family? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because like I work in TV and I love TV. So it's hard to separate those two things of what is work and what is TV. So I've worked very, very hard to differentiate those. Um, I sort of came up with a rule of like, you know, I have maybe three or four TV shows that I absolutely love. I've been watching since I have, you know, watching forever. And I'm like, I cannot reach out to anybody in those shows because then I can't find enjoyment from it. So hmm. that's, that's been really difficult, you know, because I, I so want to, you know, like my favorite actors, I'm like, oh my God, I would love to interview them. And I'm like, however big we get, however much pull we can have, I cannot reach out to them because I cannot mix what I love with work. They have to stay separate. And that's what keeps me sane. Um, you know, I found that I was starting to do this thing when, when we started out where every TV show that I watched I was always thinking, oh my gosh, they're really good. They're, you know, sort of a background actor, but I think that they're great. We should interview them. We should reach out and it would never stop. Um, So I sort of had to get out of that mindset and really it took a lot of work to be able to just enjoy TV the way it is. Um, But yeah, I think that's really important is just keeping your work separate from your enjoyment if they're the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. That's crazy. Um, I'm really curious as to why why do you feel like you can't, I guess, interview or work with shows that you, you know, love and adore. I think most people would be like, oh, you know, my dream would be to interview an actor or director or whatever. That's like my favorite show, you know, like for me personally, this podcast, I would love to interview, you know, people that kind of inspired me and got me into it and podcasts that I listen to. And maybe that's a little bit different, I guess, but 
Um, yeah, I'm just curious. Do you feel like if you were to interview them, it would kind of change the mystique or the feeling of the show? And has that happened before? Is that why you feel that way? It's, it's sort of a mix of two things. I think it's a mix of, you know, the classic saying, don't meet your heroes, mm-hmm. <laughs> even mm-hmm. if they were absolute angels. And I'm sure they are. I think that just being in a working relationship with them would sort of change the power dynamic, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, whenever I would see them on TV or see them in the future, I'd be like, Oh, you know, I worked with them, but you know, also I think, you know, I, we've interviewed a lot of people at this point where it's sometimes I will watch the shows that they're in and, you know, of course I really enjoy them, but I've noticed that I'm like, Oh, we should have done this differently. Oh, yeah. or I really need to see in this episode that I didn't notice before we should have asked them about that hmm. and so it just becomes this constant work thing where I can't separate them from the work um, and I don't want that to happen to things that I cherish yeah wow I guess I didn't think of it that way that's interesting is there a lot of research that goes into you interviewing who you interview in the shows that go into it do you sit down and pretty intensively watch everything they do and kind of have you know a really good backstory of who they are before you jump into the interview? Definitely. Um, Before an interview or when we reach out to someone, I've already, I've either already watched a lot of the show or all of it, or once we are set to interview them, I watch a lot of their series. Um, Just so I have a background on, you know, who they are, their acting, that, you know, that sort of thing. And we, we interview lots of different people in the entertainment industry, but primarily actors Um, so even if it's not entirely my thing, you know, there's certainly some genres that are my favorite, but I think it's really important to, you know, know who you're talking to. Um, I, I really, I hate when, you know, you read something and you can just tell that they're, they're either not a fan or they haven't seen the series, you know, and I think also asking specific questions is great. We, we interviewed Maxwell Jenkins from Lost in Space and, you know, I watched a lot of that show before we interviewed him. And I remember there was one scene of them like flying in a spaceship and there was all this, you know, it's, it's there throughout the whole show. But, uh, one of our questions was, you know, what scene do you think would translate well into like a roller coaster ride or something like that? Hmm. Um, and I think questions like that, it really shows that you watch the show and you love the show. And I, I think they, you know, they notice that. Sure. Um, what's, what's an example of a couple of the people that you've interviewed so far that have been, you know, like initial interviews that you had, you've talked about a couple of them, but what was like a really big moment that you were like, you know, someone that you, I guess, not necessarily, so you don't really do like your top shows or whatever, but is it still people that you, I don't know, what are some big shows that you've interviewed or people or, you know, in some way a hero or someone you looked up to? Yeah. Um, I think definitely the exception to my rule before was Kathleen McCaffrey from Euphoria. She is an executive at HBO and we had the privilege of talking to her. And that was really, that was a big moment where I was just like, this is really happening. Um, you know, it had really only been a year. And when we first started out, I remember talking to Matt and we were like, look, if this, if we do this the right way, maybe in five years, we could be talking to someone from our favorite show. And this had just been literally, you know, 12 months. So we were both freaking out. Um, but you know, of course she's amazing. She talked to us all about the process, working with Sam Levinson, that whole thing. And that was really, I think an interview goes best when it's sort of like having a conversation. Um, and that one definitely developed like a conversation because I had so much background reading about the industry. So, you know, I want to be an executive hopefully in the future. So I had that as well. Um, 
but really being able to just sort of be like, oh my God, you know, what about this scene? And, you know, I've seen Euphoria twice, so <laughs> it was very easy to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that was, that was pretty amazing. That was definitely a, a big moment for us. Yeah. That show is, um, it's interesting. I mean, I haven't been in high school for a long time, but for me, when I was watching that show, I was like, wow, that's, I don't know. Is that a somewhat accurate depiction of how high school is? Cause for me, it came off pretty like intense to an, to a degree where I was like, you know, when I was in high school, it wasn't at least as graphic in a way. I don't know how else to really word it. And I'm sure people that are listening that have watched the show kind of know what I'm talking about, where it can be very intense at times. Um, is that something that when you watch it as someone who I guess more recently has been in high school, do you feel like it did a really good job of depicting your high school experience or sort of the high school experience nowadays? Or do you feel like it, I guess, in a way, I don't know, made it film and glorified it in a way that was sort of different? You know, I, I think it's definitely very different than the high school experience that I had, but I also know that everybody has a different experience. So it may be like that in some part of the country, but you know, I went to an art school in, in Santa Ana for high school. And so I didn't exactly have the, the gritty uh, experience that Rue had, but sure. you know, I, I think oftentimes shows do assume that kids don't use drugs or don't drink that sort of thing, mm. which obviously kids do. Um, but I, I think honestly, the, best part of that show was the fact that Rue's story did seem very real. You know, you don't just pick up meth off the street and start doing that. You know, it came from somewhere. It came from a prescription. Um, and I think definitely since we have the drug crisis in America that we do, that was a really great way to portray that. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was definitely a little bit extreme in certain areas, but then again, you know, everybody has a different, a different high school experience. Definitely. No, that's, I, I agree. Has it ever been anything where you've interviewed certain people or actors, directors, um, you know, HBO executives like you were talking to, have you ever been, I don't know, in a position where you've been somewhat critical about the people that you're about to interview as far as the content and stuff they've been making, um, like not necessarily a fan or having somewhat more critical questions and wanting to question certain tactics and different things they do. Has that been something that's come up and been difficult at times? Not really, mostly because everybody we've interviewed has been a project that I've enjoyed, which is mm. sounds so insane, you know, given that we've interviewed a lot of people, but um, no, I don't, I don't think I've ever really been critical of anything. There are definitely some shows that weren't exactly my cup of tea, but then watching them, and, you know, knowing you're going to work with an actor or a creator or something, it's really like, I think you find a new appreciation for it um, and everything that goes into it, especially watching something after you've interviewed someone when you have all this background knowledge. Um, yeah, you know, I we, we recently interviewed Cynthia Summers, who's a costume designer, and I watched The Babysitter's Club after we interviewed her. And it just gives you such like, it's it's just such a different feeling from watching it not knowing anybody involved because, you know, she's shared all these stories about costuming, working with the kids, all this stuff. And it just, it really is. It's an amazing experience to do that. Um, but no, no, I don't think anything super critical. Okay. Um, have you, I guess someone who wants to get into the field, has that, I guess, changed at all? Like your original aspirations and dreams for why you wanted to start this project and wanting to get into 
Hollywood and sort of the entertainment scene? Has it changed to be something where you're like, I kind of like being on the outside and interviewing different people and doing that? Or are your, you know, dreams still set on eventually working inside the actual entertainment like system and being, I don't know, do you want to be an actor or actress or a director or a screenwriter? Um, I, I think my dreams have stayed relatively the same. I think if anything, they've gotten more specific. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started out just knowing that I wanted to work in TV, maybe not on the creative side, but as we've interviewed all these people, I think I really decided that I wanted to be an executive, you know, working in greenlighting content and all of that. Um, you know, working with these people who've created these shows, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think honestly, the, the only thing that's changed is really the reason of why I run the site. You know, it started out with like being very individualistic. I want this for me. Mm. Um, I want to work in TV, so I'm going to create this for myself. And, you know, since then I've really realized that these other teenagers, you know, everybody on my staff, they want to work in TV too, or they want to work in this field or just this job even. And creating a space where they can do that has really, you know, it's been great. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think if anything, I've definitely found a new love for it. Uh, sometimes when I get stressed out about a project or I feel like something's not going right, I get a little bit worried and I'm like, you know, am I doing something wrong and all this stuff. And I really just have to remember that this is TV. This is the industry I want to work in. I have a very emotional connection to it. Just, you know, and yeah, so I think, I think it's definitely been a ride <laughs> over this year. Um, just a lot of stressful moments, a lot of thinking about quitting and all this stuff, but hmm. I'm, I'm really glad that we've made it to the point that we have. Sure. Uh, speaking of this year, I mean, it's obviously been insane, very unpredictable and in a way, you know, sort of, I don't know, very negatively impacted, not only the film and TV industry, but music and just entertainment in general. Has that been something that you guys have looked at and I don't know, sort of had to maneuver around a lot of things? Or do you find that with people being at home and not necessarily working on projects, they're more open to doing interviews and connecting and they have that time and the space to do that. Whereas before it might've been harder to get interviews with certain people. I think obviously it's, it's devastating for the country, but I think specifically with our company, there have been pros and cons. Um, you know, having everybody at home working online has been actually a lot easier since, you know, we're, we're Gen Z, we communicate online anyway. Um, yeah, not having school schedules, sports schedules, that's really, that's been great. And there's also been a lot more news in general, a lot more to really dissect, think about all this stuff. But yeah, I think we've honestly just had a lot of time to think about what we want to do with this company, you know, coming up with new ideas and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I think in general, it's, it's been nice for communication, but the news is definitely <laughs> been depressing. I mean, I remember towards the beginning of quarantine, we just, there was all these headlines about, you know, people dying of COVID and all these entertainment headlines, but things going wrong. And I remember I had to talk to our, our news editor and just be like, we have to cover something good. There has to be something positive. I mean, we've been writing negative news for like a week and it just didn't feel like there was any light left in the world. Um, so we've, we've tried really hard to balance it out, but it's, it's really difficult. Sometimes the news, uh, from I think two days ago or yesterday about I'm not okay with this and the society not coming back on Netflix 
it's, it's heart, heartbreaking really. Um, especially because, you know, no, you know, those are big shows and they have huge fan bases. Um, and Netflix probably would have renewed them if not for, for COVID. Um, so I'm really hoping that that's just a stray case and that that doesn't keep happening, hmm. but yeah, I think this, this industry is going to take a hit. It's going to be hard. Sure. No, it's definitely heavy. I'm curious as, um, someone who's younger and I guess growing up with this whole concept of more streaming and digital concepts like that, how do you feel about, I mean, you wrote an article that was one of the first things that you did, um, about streaming and how that's taken over. And, you know, in the span of a year, I think, you know, it's only expanded. It hasn't really gone down. Like everything in a way is becoming streaming, whether it's music or film or TV or whatever, you know, um, I don't know. Do you, do you see that as a positive thing? Do you see that as just not necessarily positive or negative? It's just a change or do you think it's somewhat negative? You know, I think there's, there's so much to dissect from streaming right now. We're, we're headed in so many different directions. Um, I think honestly, streaming is going to, you know, it's, it's hard to articulate, but I think, you know, ultimately streaming services started because of cable bundling, you know, all of the networks were putting together all these, you know, bundles and everything. It was confusing. People didn't want to pay a lot of money. So, you know, streaming services started and Netflix had everything. And then Hulu had even more. And then Amazon Prime had the other stuff that you needed. And now it feels like we're going right back to cable bundling. Hmm. Um, you know, with Disney Plus and ESPN and Hulu all in one package, that's that's where we started. And that's why this all happened. So it's sort of we're, we're in a loop right now. Um, but I think while all this is happening and everybody's focused on streaming, I think the real change with the industry is coming from short form content, especially TikTok. We've seen how huge that app is. And I think, you know, my generation, as much as I hate to say it, we really don't have the attention span that the generation before us had. So I think things are going to keep getting either shorter or more compact or, you know, I think there are a few cases of that, but you know, my younger sister is, is 14 and she can't even sit through a movie anymore. And it's so surprising to me. I thought that was just her, but it's really, it's just, this is our age group. We're so used to condensed material that we can't sit through anything longer. Um, so I think streaming services are going to start to recognize that we're going to start seeing more content like that. But yeah, I think overall the industry has a lot of changing to do. COVID is certainly going to, uh, start that with, I think, distanced content, that sort of thing, more animation, um, but there's, there's going to be a lot of changes in the next 10 years. And I'm really excited to see what happens. Sure. No, that's cool. Um, well, what was the beginning of your, I guess I would love to know, like, you know, getting into TV and film or something, was that all something that was part of your, you know, upbringing in your household and your parents totally supported you going, I mean, you went to an art school, so it seems like it wasn't super, you know, taboo for you to get into arts and it wasn't necessarily an academic based thing where your parents wanted you to be a doctor or lawyer or whatever, you know, there, was it super open to creative and go do what you want and, you know, embrace the creative side of yourself or was it sort of a struggle and you kind of had to fight for that? Yeah. It, you know, I wanted to be a teacher for almost all my life, which is insane to me now, but my, my dad used to work in television. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I really, I think about maybe beginning of high school, freshman year, I really started getting interested in that. And he started talking to me more about his work, what he was doing. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. This sounds great. Um, and so I, I really started paying more attention to the trades. And I remember 
this is insane, but I started an entertainment binder where I literally kept track of every single show that was being ordered on every single network, all wow. hand done, like ruler, like creating charts. It was insane, but I was so, I just like that feeling of like, this is what I want to do, you know? And it's all I wanted to spend my time doing. So I, I literally did that for a year where I was just keeping track of everything. And I remember Euphoria and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was one of those, the first shows on that chart. Um, and, you know, I sort of lost track of it for a while. I got, you know, I was busy with high school, sophomore year and everything. But once I started seeing all of these shows on air, it was like amazing where I was seeing like, oh my God, Euphoria. I saw a log line for that and Zendaya's name and a title and that was it. And now it's like a full TV show. Hmm. Um, seeing things from literally a few words on a page all the way to the screen, like three years later was just like amazing. And I loved that. Uh, and that's really what made me realize that I wanted to work as an executive specifically. Um, I think the binder was probably a pretty good idea that I wanted to work in TV. Nobody does that if they hate something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a long road between deciding what specifically I wanted to do and now, but yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's interesting that you went from, you know, having a sort of a set plan, which is wanting to be a teacher and then kind of, a you know, pretty big shift, I would imagine where you're now you're like, Oh, now I know what I want to do. And now I have an idea and a, you know, a passion that I want to pursue. Um, was your dad super supportive of that? And what exactly did he do for the film industry? So he worked at Apple at the iTunes store um, in television specifically. Um, so a little bit different than ordering content and that sort of thing, because Apple, you know, had not thought about a streaming service at that point. But yeah, so I, I really I was interested in that and I was interested in acquisition and that type of thing. But I think once I started the binder and started reading log lines and stuff like that, I realized I wanted to work in really creating content. Um, but I think I've always been a fan of you know, keeping things organized and that sort of thing. And being a director, a producer is amazing. And, you know, I have seen the love for it. I was in film school and middle school, but I think I need a little bit more of a structure than that. Um, then it's just working on different projects and, you know, really the content was, was what I loved. Sure. What are, uh, I guess, you know, future goals for yourself personally, not, I mean, outside of the company, what do you hope to, I guess, accomplish and, what would be the next like hurdles and stuff that you would want to overcome or the next steps in your, I don't want to say career, just, I guess your path on your journey that you're taking, what would be the next step and what you would want to accomplish? Yeah. Well, I'm at Emerson college now starting my freshman year in about a week. Um, so I'm majoring in business and I think from there, the goal is to intern at an entertainment company and start working. Um, but beyond that, you know, obviously I want to work in acquiring content, that sort of thing. But I really, I think I, I really want to make a difference in terms of creating a space for teenagers. Um, I'm really surprised that there hasn't been a sort of website like this before. Um, I think teenagers are often really under, I'm not really entirely sure what the word is, but, you know, I think that there's more to us, um, we don't entirely get the credit we deserve. So the goal is eventually to create some sort of internship that is specifically for uh, teenage girls to work in entertainment, because I think we also need more women, um, you know, and sort of just creating the thing that I wanted when I was in high school. Sure. 
And as far as like the company's concerned, do you see, I don't know, a future where you are able to step away and kind of have more people take over? I mean, you have a staff of 40 within, you know, a year, which is, I'm pretty remarkable. Do you see it coming, I don't know, becoming something where you're sort of a little less hands-on and is that something that you would ever feel comfortable, I guess, having someone else run for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, the plan has always been, that's one thing that's never changed in a year is the plan has always been very specific. Um, you know, TV Wasteland is not going to be my career. I don't want to work in journalism, but TV Wasteland has been amazing, um, mm-hmm. an amazing experience really. But I think, you know, at some point I have to hand it off to another teenager that loves TV as much as I did, somebody that I can mentor. Um, you know, but I think really TV Wasteland was meant to jumpstart my career. So once I'm starting to intern, once I'm really involved in college and that sort of thing, um, it's time to hand it off to somebody else and help them with their career, you know, because when I'm interning at an entertainment company, I'm still working on this. It's not serving its purpose. Um, there needs to be another person in high school who loves TV as much as I do. And I know there is. Um, and I think at that point, you know, I know I have to hand it off. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I think that shows like a genuine, I don't know, passion for the initial plan and the goal that you had, which I think is really cool. I think it goes beyond something where it's not even really, I guess, a company so much as just sort of, you know, something that can help people. And I guess also just shed light on the concept of what you were talking about as far as people feeling like it is possible as opposed to before, I guess, even when you started, you knew you weren't seeing a ton of that. And you weren't seeing it as like necessarily an option. So you're like, oh, I have to kind of create this for myself. Has that been something that's been sort of like really cool to see as far as like feedback that you're receiving and the younger people being, you know, receptive to what you're doing and almost seeing like a younger version of yourself and being like, oh, cool. Like they don't have to go and start their own thing. They have this and I'm glad to be a part of it. Absolutely. Um, I think definitely my, my favorite moment attached to that is we, we interviewed Nicole Maines from Supergirl. Um, and you know, we had a really large social media reception to that. And so my, I woke up and Matt was sending me all these tweets and he's like, Oh my God, people are talking about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This had never happened before. So I went on Twitter and I was looking at our mentions and everything. And it was, just fans of hers or fan accounts, Supergirl fans, anything. And they were like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. This is a great interview. People were posting screenshots of it and saying, Oh my God, look at her telling the story about, you know, Melissa's dog. I've never heard this one before. This is fantastic. And all this stuff. And it sort of hit me that TV Wasteland exists in other people's minds. <laughs> you know, it's something that I created and it's something that I spend all my time working on. So I sort of have to remember, like, this is not just for me. This is for, people, people read this. Um, and that was just amazing is, you know, knowing that people read the interview, loved it and loved it enough to repost screenshots of it and talk about it on social media. I mean, that was like, I, I really, I think about that a lot. Sure. No, that's really cool. That's amazing. Has, um, I don't know, as you kind of transition into going into college and different things like that, what would be, I guess, you know, it sounds odd to ask, but like, what would be a dream sort of company you would want to intern for or kind of like an opportunity you would get or a company that you would want to work for? Or is this something in the future that you would want to kind of like start your own thing again and have it be your own version of something? 
you know, I, I'm fans of, of everybody. There isn't really a company that I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't work for them. Um, I think all the big entertainment companies right now, I love, um, I think definitely working at a streaming company would be great. I think streaming is definitely the future. Um, something like, like Netflix or Hulu. Um, but I've always, always been a fan of HBO. I, I love HBO, all of their content and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think they, they would honestly be the dream company to work for, but again, streaming is, is the future and I'd love to work in that field. Sure. I'm also curious as to why I guess you picked business as a major, as opposed to, I don't know, film or entertainment or acting or different things like that. Is it just cause you want to do more of the business side of things? Yeah, I, I definitely want to work in more business um, than, you know, I, I feel like majoring in film would give me the creative side, the directing and all that, but that's not specifically the field I want to go into. Um, and so business, you know, here at Emerson, I'm, I'm majoring in business and creative enterprises, which, you know, focuses specifically on entertainment, which is great. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I, I definitely debated it. And when I was applying to different schools, it sort of went to different majors. You know, at some schools I applied for a film major. Some it was a double major in film and business. But I think business is definitely the training that I need, given that, you know, communication has been such a big part of all of this. Mm. Writing emails, talking to other people. I mean, all of entertainment is just talking. If you can talk, you can do anything, really. Um, and I think that's honestly why we got as far as we did is because you know, I know how to talk to adults now. I know how to talk to industry professionals. So I want to continue um, to learn in, in that field. Yeah, definitely. How is, um, I guess, Boston being a little bit different than, I guess, the main places that you would generally think of film and entertainment, which would be Los Angeles and New York, which would kind of be the forefront of where people would assume people would go to, you know, have those opportunities. Do you think working in Boston and having in the home base of your company that's in California, right? You guys are still based here. Yeah. So all, almost all of my staff is in California and I'm, I'm out here. <laughs> How do you think that's going to, do you feel like that's going to pose like somewhat of a challenge or is it becoming something where, I don't know, kind of what we talked about earlier, as far as you sort of hitting that point that you wanted to hit initially when you got into TV wasteland and now it's become something where since you are farther away and you are, you know, not necessarily, you know, feet on the floor, like right there. Do you feel like now it's a time to kind of have other people step up and sort of take the reins on TV Wasteland? You know, I don't feel like I'm at the point where I'm ready to step down, but there's definitely been more responsibility on other executives. You know, my divisions are becoming autonomous where, you know, pretty much the work can get done. Um, and then I have my, my vice president, Erin, who is just amazing. And so she's picking up more work as well as we're developing more projects. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, COVID has taught us that we can really work from anywhere. The biggest obstacle is time zones and that's just subtraction and addition. So, you know, I don't really feel like there's a big obstacle in being in Boston, especially given how much of life is online right now. Um, but I think honestly, I'll know when the time is right to leave. Uh, and obviously, you know, I need time to mentor somebody new and really take over the company, given that it's grown as much as it has. But yeah, I feel like my work isn't quite done yet. And especially since I'm still learning, I can apply what I'm learning here, majoring in business to the company. Um, but I, I definitely, I know when um, it's, it's time to give things up. Hmm. I think Boston is kind of cool for me. I mean, I'm definitely a lot older. I think of like Goodwill Hunting, you know, Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, all 
uh, Matt Damon, that whole group of people. Has it been something where you've looked at that concept of like, wow, like some really talented, amazing people have come out of Boston or was it just like, oh, this is a cool school. It kind of falls in line with what I want to do and all that. Or was there, you know, that sort of mindset going into it? I think it's Emerson was my dream school from day one. Uh, You know, obviously I wanted to be a teacher, but (laughs) when I was looking into entertainment and started to apply, I mean, Emerson, the second I visited the campus, I was like, this is, this is it for sure. Hmm. Um, So that's, that's been amazing, of course, but I've always had a really emotional connection to Boston and the East coast. I I have family up here. So we've been up here a few times. Um, And even when I wanted to be a teacher and work in a different industry, I've always, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to school in the East coast. Um, but you know, I've, I've lived in LA my whole life and I really, I felt like I'm probably going to continue living in LA my whole life. And I wanted, you know, a place to be that was separate from that. So New York is amazing and very different from LA, but still pretty much a big city. So Boston was sort of my chance to, you know, have four years to really focus on school, um, not be a, in, in the epicenter of an entertainment industry and just sort of focus on you. Sure. What is, um, I guess as we wrap up, I don't know, do you have any advice for anyone listening who kind of, I don't know, resonates with your story and really, really appreciates it and wants to do something for themselves, whether it's, you know, going into film or entertainment or, you know, music or whatever. I think it isn't necessarily something that's just specific to film or entertainment or TV, what you're doing. It's universal as far as just having a dream and wanting to do something and creating it for yourself. Um, you guys have seen a really positive response and you've grown and the company is doing really well now has, I don't know, I guess, what would you say for someone who wants to start a similar project or go down a similar Avenue and start something for themselves? Yeah. So, you know, I would say, honestly, the best advice I can give you is, Um, never be afraid to ask. I know people say that sometimes, but it's true. I mean, I really, I took that and ran with it. All of the applications I've submitted, the emails I've sent off, the people I've reached out to every time, you know, I'm like, they're probably going to say no. And then sometimes they don't. And when they don't, it is a life changing experience. We would be nowhere if I was like, oh, I'm I'm worried they're going to say no, or that they're going to be weirded out that a 17 year old is reaching out to them you find the contact, you email them, you talk to them. You know, I really, I think that's the best thing that I've learned is you really never know. Um, and then I think also for, for anybody, but you know, specifically for the teenagers that are listening, know your worth. They're really, I mean, I never thought I could pull off something like this. I thought this would be dead on arrival. It was going to be a blog. It was going to be a place for me to write my crazy ideas about streaming and what I was thinking and just pour it out on the page. And now it is just bigger than I ever could have imagined. So, you know, I, I really think, yeah, know, know what you're capable of and just do what you love. Uh, this all sounds like a greeting card. I'm, I'm trying to make it sound as creative as possible, but it's, it's true. Cool. Well, uh, I guess as we wrap up, um, I don't know, how can people connect with you and TV Wasteland and how can they get involved if they want to get involved or if that's even an option and I don't know, kind of all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you can go to our site, tvwasteland.org. Uh, we have Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that stuff. Um, if you want to get involved, you know, if you're, if you're interested in television or if you're a teenager and you want to read things, you know, obviously go to our site. Um, 
Uh, I don't think my email is actually on the site or anything, but it is in my Instagram bio. If you want to contact me about anything, TVW. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sitting down and talking to me and I'm super excited for everything that is happening. And I look forward to just all the cool things you guys are going to accomplish. And, you know, I wish you the best and absolutely everything you do. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. If you want to see more of TV Wasteland's work, you can follow them on Instagram at TV Waste, or you can head to tvwasteland.org. You can follow us at The Double Life Pod on Instagram, and make sure to subscribe and tell your friends. See you next week. Adios.